G'day punters, welcome to this week's episode of Bet With Brilliance, the review podcast for what was a massive day of racing uh, with the Coolmore Classic, uh, the Group 1 at Rose Hill in Sydney, and obviously the All-Star Mile was ran for the first time at Mooney Valley in Melbourne. Uh, as always, Jack Hudson joining you, and uh, Jared Fish, I've got with me the Sydney writer and analyst for Brilliance Racing. Fish, how are you doing, mate? Going well, mate. I'm uh, keen to have another chat to you today about uh, all the races on the weekend. Uh, plenty to talk about and uh, another few shorties have gone down. So, yeah, we'll be able to talk about that one over the podcast and, yeah, happy to be here, mate. Yeah, absolutely. I guess the one thing that will let punters down, and we spoke about it just before we, we jumped on here, was that Cherry Tortoni did go down. I don't have the dunce hat, to be honest. With the, the massive few days that I've had, I've just, just totally fell out of my head until this afternoon. And sorry, punters, I haven't been able to get that. But I did declare him to high heavens, and he did. He did need what well, he ran fourth in the end, which was bitterly disappointing. Um, so that was not fun for me. But yeah, it was a weekend where a few big names went down. Yeah, for sure. Colette did the same thing in Sydney at a dollar fifty-five, I believe uh, she started at. So yeah, they, they weren't very kind to us on the weekend, and for plenty of punters, multis, I'd imagine. No, but if they tuned into the preview pod on, uh, well, Friday we got it up there, Fish. If they tuned in, you and I both rattled off a couple of really good winners that we're going to get into shortly. Uh, before we do that, mate, star performer of the weekend, I think we're going to agree on this one. Who have you got? I don't think we'll agree on this one, actually. I put down uh, Yayo Dash in the last at Sydney. Oh. It's my star performer. It was. Oh, I was happy with Nuggets' run. I don't know what you're going to say, but... <laughs> But um, yeah, no, yeah, Dash had a wide draw there in the last and led led from the wide draw with 60 kilos on his back. Uh, Nashi just let him go. He was two or three lengths in front there before the bend. Two horses actually ran past him and then Nashi's just asked him for a little bit and he's knuckled down. I just really thought it was one of the toughest wins I've seen in a long time with 60 kilos on his back. So yeah, I gave yeah, Dash a star performer actually. But yeah, we'll, we'll have, have a listen to yours now. Yeah, well, since you mentioned that, he's been absolutely airborne this entire prep. The first, uh, the first couple of the runs that he had, I think it was going into the Magic Millions, uh, the Magic Millions day at, at the Gold Coast, and then even on Saturday, I sort of thought, oh, he's sort of passed it a bit, isn't he, in this prep? And um, I think there was a massive move for Lena's hero or something like that, who loomed to win, and I was on, but went down. Yeah, Dash was incredible. Um, Surprised we didn't agree on this one, mate, because you did tip it in the all-star mile mug or two. I just thought the run that he had in that race sort of defied the track pattern for the day. He was back in the field. He was on the fence. It rained cats and dogs at Mooney Valley there, uh, which we'll get into a little bit more shortly. He was able to weave his way through the field, and and I'll get into the way that he got got through that field uh, very shortly, uh, but the way that he weaved through the field, got through what was a difficult track at Mooney Valley there and got up to win and beat Russian Camelot, who was absolutely massive as well. Um, I think he's really stamped his name as one of the top middle distance gallopers in Australia. If he wasn't already there already, I personally didn't have him. Uh, but after Saturday, it was a really commanding performance. And yeah, he's got to be in everyone's calculations now going forward to uh, championships at Randwick actually is coming up now. Yeah, absolutely. And it was most certainly one of the best rides on the weekend. It leads me into my ride of the day who I gave it to Hugh Bowman. Honestly, uh, that was one of the, one of the best rides that you'll see all year because it just was that patient coming around the band. You can, you can just imagine how much adrenaline they've got, you know, it's a $5 million race. They're in a bit of a pack. There's rain everywhere. And you just seen how patient he was. And the thing about it was the gap didn't come till very, very late. It came so late. And then he asked uh, Mugatu for something and the horse responded. But yeah, I just thought the patience that he shown was quite remarkable and such a good job by the Aussie Bloodstock team because they uh, they, they planned, this, planned for this race. They basically said eight months ago that this was the one they want to win. They want to take the money. And then anything after that's a uh, plus for the preparation. So certainly set themselves up nicely and he'll he'll jump up 2,000 metres now and you, you probably can't ride him off, I guess. 
Yeah, well, looking at looking at Muggatoo's prep leading into the All Star Mile as a racing Victoria steward at Mooney Valley, retrospectively, he had those two trials going into that first up run. I believe it was the Apollo Stakes, um, which just really sharpened him up. Had another trial, he was fit and firing, ready to go. Uh, the thing about that race was every trainer is going to get their horse into the best possible. Uh, condition and the, the peak of their fitness going into that race he clearly was just the one that handled it better on the day and right of the week for me obviously Hugh Bowman I've got there I'll go into it more shortly when we do talk about the all-star mile was a, one thing that Hugh Bowman did really well was getting around uh, Luna Fox who was just an absolute roadblock at one point there on the rail uh, the way that he was able to weave around Sorry, punters. I thought I've had something going on with my headset there. Um, the way that he was able to get around uh, Luna Fox there in the straight, get the hole and, and lift him over the top was obviously incredible. I've actually made notes of Jamie Carr's ride on Grand Slam. She sent him straight to the front, third up. He's a leader. And obviously, the track obviously played that way in terms of a bit of a leader bias there. And I think every other jockey in the race was sort of in the cherry tortoni stakes a bit there, but she's just grabbed it by the scruff of the neck, ridden the horse as best as she can and, and uh, absolutely buried them in the straight. Yeah, that ride was fantastic as well. I had that written down as well to mention that ride because, yeah, she just, she noticed that there was a bit of a slow tempo going on. And then when she, uh, when she asked for the push the button pretty early, the horse just responded and, yeah, I think she just absolutely pinched that race from the other ones because they weren't ready for it, ready for it, to be honest with you. But um, I was just talking to you before about it. How did you think the uh, Moody Valley track played out on the weekend, mate? <laughs> I've lost you. Sorry, punters, we're having massive technical difficulties here. I've had my headphones drop out there. Died sort of uh, midway on us there. So uh, we're battling it here at, at uh, Bet with Brilliance. But um, the track at Mooney Valley, mate, definitely had to be on the inside uh, inside lanes there. Hard up against the rail was absolutely the race, the place to be. Um, I think maybe Persan and, and Bugatu were the only two on the day to sort of come from sort of the back of the field and, and run on to win. But uh, Rose Hill seemed to be playing really well and, and it looked like it was all sort of tempo related there. Yeah, Rose Hill played pretty fairly again. Um, I was planning on a very wet track, to be honest, leading up to it, but we didn't get any rain. So that started down a good four. I think it ended up a good three. But yeah, I heard that no winners came from outside of lanes one to five, but I think he played really fairly. There was Hungry Heart come from the back. Um, there was another one or two winners that came from pretty far back and one down the middle. So it certainly played pretty fairly at Rose Hill, I thought. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And looking at the ratings for for Mooney Valley, and this is something that I alluded to uh, earlier and something I think is the biggest talking point out of the day. So they started on a good four, they got upgraded to a good three, and then there was retrospective track downgrades. And I think the worst it got was a heavy seven. But, I mean, even when you watch the All-Star Mile, you know, the Aussie bloodstock colours of Mugatu, he was wearing blue and brown by the time he'd crossed the line. Like the white's gone. It was there's no way that's a soft seven. It was chopping out massively. It was a bog track there. And even the the mounting yard mail that I was getting uh through Telegram from the racing show. And if you don't listen to those blokes partners, go and do it because the Noonan boys are brilliant. Uh got to the last race, uh did the bit of the mounting yard report, but said they weren't betting because the track was absolutely cast. So, um, yeah, it was just an absolute look like a mud pit out there, mate. Yeah, it did. No, I sort of watched the races a bit closer today. And like you said, you know, even toward Tony, there was lots of horses that I thought, now they come around the bend, they're in an all right spot, but just sort of looked like those lanes one, two and three were just playing, playing good. And no one was really coming down the outside except for that first race, which was a long race, but, 
Yeah, and I also saw the race before, it might have been one race or two races before the uh, All-Star Mile. The rating was way off. It was way worse than what they'd said it was up until then. And then I think they downgraded it right before the All-Star Mile. So, yeah, there was a few funny things going on there, but that's racing, isn't it? Yeah, but it's a real insult to the part. I mean, I was at, I was at work, so I, at this point in the day, wasn't seeing what was going on with the telecast. But it's, I mean, for some you might have been sitting at home watching the races all day, fish, for example, and it's a real kick in the nuts to punters that are sitting there. The stewards are on track. They should be out there between every race. And they've got one job, and that's to get the rating right. And it's not their first day on the job. Like, they should be able to do it by now, surely. Um, I think it was just a massive insult to punters that are, you finish a race and go, oh, sorry, that was a soft, a soft seven, not a good, a good four. I just think that's absolutely not good enough. Hundred percent, and it makes a massive, uh, makes a massive swinging. Which horse are you going to choose when you know that uh, the difference between a soft five and a soft six and seven is 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 quite substantial. So, yeah, certainly, and um, yeah, they should have been probably walking around the track a bit more and might, might even need more numbers. And they also speak to the jockeys after the race, and I'm sure they were saying that the rating wasn't right as well. So, yeah, a bit disappointing for punters, but we'll have to move on. Yeah, yeah. Before we get into reviewing the day, mate, there's one more big talking point that I want to have a look at with you. Uh, 11 o'clock this morning, the barriers were drawn for uh, the Golden Slipper on Saturday. Uh, just going through in the order of entry, Shaquero's drawn gate 15, Profiteer has drawn gate five, and I've seen that some lunatics got 20 grand on in a win. Um, <laughs> I think that's, a, that's absolute madness putting that kind of a bet on as soon as the gates are drawn. Uh, my boy, Artorius, he's drawn 13, happy with that. Ingratiating 11, Animo 16, Home Affairs 2, Kalishnikov is out of gate one, Stay Inside, uh, gate three, Rocket Tiger 14. Uh, o President has gate eight, uh, Captivant has uh, gate nine, Glistening is gonna come out of gate seven, four moves ahead. Gate 10, Swift Witness, 12, Mallory, 6, and Queen of Wizardry, Gate 4. Mate, who are you on early there? Early days, I've been on four moves ahead, and I feel like the barrier draw 10 is not too bad. I feel like it's pretty good. But I also love the draw of uh, staying side there in Barrier 5, I believe he is. I just feel like, and he loves the wet truck, so I'm finding it hard to get that recent win from staying side out of my head where he just flew home on the wet truck and... He's gonna. He was um, stuck a little bit at the back there last start, but out of this draw, he's just gonna sit right behind Profiteer, who comes out of barrier three and leads. Could have the dream run, and I believe he's in a great position. So torn between staying side and four moves ahead, but I'll have to nail that one down a bit closer come the end of the week. What about yourself, mate? Have you had a bit of a look? Yeah, had a little bit of a look and a little bit of a think. Obviously, the same as you. Got to stick my head in the form guide a bit and and uh, look at race map a bit more. I think Profiteer from gate five is drawn really well, as long as he doesn't pull his head off like he did last start. But I'll come back to, to Artorius. I think from gate 13, that's just, that sets up perfectly for his racing pattern. Luke Curry will just switch him off from the start, take him back, and it could be a almost a rinse and repeat of what he did at, at Caulfield there, where it will just run over the top of them late. It'll be obviously tempo-dependent, and, uh, and we've got to see how he handles the track. But a uh, bit of a soft spot for him there, so I'm looking forward to to him coming out of gate 13. Yeah, what a race it is. Yeah, sorry, punters. Staying sides coming out of barrier three. Profiteer out of five, but Profiteer will lead, and that's that's good for our uh, staying side from that draw. Yeah, what a race it is. I can't wait for that on Saturday, and there's plenty of other group one races on the day as well. So uh, certainly a big day for Sydney horse racing fans, and horse racing fans around the country, but yeah, looking forward to it. Absolutely. Always a great day. All right, mate, we'll get into it. The review for the All-Star Mile, and that's exactly where we're going to start. Obviously, Mugger 2 did get the win there. Uh, went 10.4 lengths above benchmark is the, the data that I've seen from punting form. Uh, obviously, uh, Mugger 2 and the big Russian were the clear performers on the day. Looked like the only two that really handled that wet track and uh, I want to follow them going forward into this little uh, championships carnival for Sydney, mate. Uh, some of the notes that I've got here, I won't go through all of them straight away, but Mugatu was reported to have paraded in good order. Uh, 
again from the the racing show boys. Uh, they only normally do four runners, but they made special mention to Muggatu and threw in a fifth. Uh, copped a gun ride from Huey. We saw that, or we know that. Uh, like, I, like I mentioned before, Luna Fox was almost a roadblock for Muggatu getting into that last turn and into the straight. Had he gone any slower, I reckon Hugh gets caught up there and, and we're probably talking about Muggatu as a good thing beaten. Uh, but obviously Huey was able to get him through. Russian Camelot, Damien Oliver absolutely threaded a needle through the pack there uh, with the big Russian. Uh, and he is big too. The, the mail from the yard suggests that he's come back absolutely massive and in really good order. Um, and Behemoth, he paraded well as well, all reports are. Uh, ran well for a horse, I thought, who's not entirely known for his wet form. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I've got Behemoth written down here as well, just how, how tough of a horse he's proven to be. Um, finished in third there and fought off Luna Fox late, which Luna Fox is becoming a bit of a bit of a good horse. A few big wins and big odds. But, yeah, I mean, Behemoth was purchased for $6,000 by the owners. Raced in the Everest last year. It's got $2.5 million in prize money now and comes third in an all, $5 million all-star mile. Absolutely incredible. Such a tough horse. Like you said, Mugatu, um, Bowman, one of the best rides you'll see all, all year, to be honest with you. It was a bit of a battle, battle of the old boys there with um, Oliver riding Russian Camelot. And I think the gods were in uh, the hands of Aussie Bloodstock boys there because the rain come tumbling down at the perfect timing, probably about half an hour, an hour before the race. And maybe maybe if it wasn't as soft, Russian Camelot could have probably got the job done, but maybe wins. But anyway, those two horses put three lengths on the rest of the field. So you've got to absolutely follow them going forward. It's probably stepping both of them up to 2,000. And, uh, yeah, I also wanted to say, how good were those photos after the race? Bowman and all the jockeys just absolutely covered in mud. It was very wet out there. And, yeah, I just thought it was a bit of a nice spectacle. It was a good, good race. It, the rain added to just the spectacle of the, ra- of the race. And it seems this year was a different race to, I think, the first two. I think the first two were more the event of the day but the the race was advertised really well I thought uh and the horses I think just the way that the entire race was like I said was advertised and and put through the media I, I thought it was brilliant and it was an absolute spectacle as soon as those gates opened wasn't it Yeah, absolutely. And like you mentioned before, I think the inside was definitely the place to be. That's where Muggatu and uh, Russian Camelot came from the back, but they did go up the rail. They did get the rail run. And Luna Fox was on the rail. Behemoth was in on the inside. All those horses that sort of tried to make a move around the outside, they just weren't going anywhere. And But, yeah, for sure, absolutely. It was such a good race and plenty to take forward out of that one for four analysts, I guess. Speaking of horses not going anywhere, a few more notes that I had on the, the race, and this is how I saw it personally. And I think it's something that punters are going to have to look at with this race going forward. Obviously, this is a race where the horses run in, are running in the race and voted in by the fans. And it's a brilliant concept from a form point of view and something that is going to have to be thought about next year. And it's something I didn't even think of until this afternoon there's going to be a handful of horses in this race that just have absolutely none on the field. And the prime example of that is Graceful Glamour. The way that Graceful Glamour dropped out of that race on that back straight before the, the final turn bordered on dangerous, like just couldn't tell, couldn't cop the wet track, but you've been preparing a horse to get it into a $5 million race. The owners aren't going to scratch it because the track's wet. And I thought that was just, that was, like I said, I thought it just bordered on dangerous the way that, the graceful glamour dropped out and it was, you could almost have predicted it would happen the way that the graceful glamour was scrubbed up out of the gates, uh, having to really be hard ridden just to try and get up to the lead. Um, I thought coming into the final turn and coming off of the final turn, that the Herodian almost looked like your winner uh, at one point there, really loomed uh, getting towards the lead, almost treating the 200 metre post like, like the winning place, but was obviously found out by a better class of miler. 
I thought that Mr. Quickie had every right to drop out to last and just practically throw the towel in and wave the white flag. He was four wide the final turn, and he's not a wet tracker. There's serious merit to his run. Uh, the probably one of the bigger talking points, mate, is that Sir Dragon A apparently he apparently he played up big time in the tunnel. Didn't want to come out onto the track, uh, but paraded similar to the Cox Plate. So as soon as he's got out of the yard and heading towards the track, he didn't want any of it, and he ran accordingly. Just looked like he didn't want to be there. Yeah, there's certainly something going on with Sir Dragon A, this preparation. I mean, it sounds like he trolled quite well uh, leading into that first race, which um, Bossy was pretty happy about and then sort of locked a wet track and didn't really go too good on the weekend. Not, nothing negative to say about the Herobians run. That was a very tough effort and certainly can take, take positives out of that one. Graceful Glamour is a really, really quirky horse. I, I imagine that John McNeil has never probably hopped on, hopped on her, so... In my notes for Grace of Glamour, I've always got it's Rachel King or nothing for me because they've actually, Mark Newnham's actually scratched, in, scratched her from races before because a jockey will jump on and when she's galloping over to the, the um, barriers to start, she just does this little quirky jump and they, they sort of like, what, what was that? Something wrong with her. But then they, he asked Rachel and Rachel was like, oh, that's a that's just a little race day kick. That's when I know she's going to win. And they scratch her. So... <laughs> Just one of those relationship type of things where, but yeah, you're right. Realistically, on paper, they would have scratched her out of that race because she was never going to win as fast 1600 on a heavy track like that or well, soft, whatever you wanted to call it. Heavy tennis, yeah, that was awful. You made a good point about that. Yeah, for sure. But such a good race anyway. Yeah, but I didn't have anything else to talk about out of that one, mate. I, it was obviously an incredibly run race. I think you can follow the Russian, the big Russian and, and Mugger 2 going towards Sydney. Um, I thought the Horovian was massive and the races that he runs in in Queensland now, obviously he's going to be hard to beat, but he's got the, the SP profile that that will tell anyone that. Um, and so Dragon Day going forward could just be an absolute non-bet, no matter, no matter the race, no matter the opposition. He looks like he's just not even trying now. Yeah, he's certainly a non-bet for me in the next start. I think he just doesn't have that attitude of a horse that wants to be out there at the moment. Kieran Mars got a big job on his, and Dave Eustace have a big job on their hands there, sorting that one out. But maybe he just needs to go to the paddock for a spell for a bit with it before spring. Might be a better spring horse, but anyway, we'll we'll have to keep our eyes on that one. Yeah, yeah, mate. Moving forward, we'll go to we're going to cover the big three in Sydney because I've cast races six, seven, and nine from from the review. I didn't even watch race six and seven again, not because of the horses and the. And the the roughies that lobbed, but the retrospective tack down grades just almost throw them in the bin. Um, I mean, Exeter won the last, but I've got nothing to say about it. Uh, it's just, I, I don't think you can follow anything going forward out of there. So we'll go to Sydney, mate. What, uh, what was the first of the big ones there? Sounds good. Uh, race six was the Shandon Firelap Stakes, group three for three-year-olds. Um, over 1,500 metres. Pretty stoked about this one. Hungry Hearts on the winner's list. <laughs> been, wait, been waiting a long time for that. But unfortunately for me, I uh, and for people who followed my selections on Brilliance on the weekend, did all my form for a wet track. So I had a big cross through Hungry Heart. And uh, they raced on a good four and she got the job done quite convincingly there. I thought it was a very tough win. Um, had to grind out, grind it out late. She was ridden patiently by Jay Mack and... Um, then she just come around the corner and he was pretty patient in finding a gap too. But when it came, she certainly exploded and took it. I'm pretty keen to follow Poland, who I just like the way that he races. Um, he went out too hard, went out way too quick, but he's very tough. His two wins have been tough, tough watches and he sticks on and I think he's got a big win coming. Um, I'm not sure what they do with Poland. I don't know if they're going to head to the Doncaster or try to go to the Doncaster or if he's more of a 1,400 metre horse, but... And the other one was um, the Irishman. I'm not keen to jump off him just yet. He had a Warwick Farm win over 1,400 on a benchmark 78. And then he's gone out a second uh, in a group two, 1,500 metres. So, yeah, and um, he's got a heavy wind to his name. So I'm, I'm pretty keen to follow the Irishman. How did you see that race? I was actually really lucky to be watching Sky Thoroughbred Central live 
before I had to go to work for this one, mate, because there was a stat that the last six or seven winners in a row have all been Chris Waller Phillies. And prior to that, Hungry Heart had drifted from $3.50 to around the $4 mark. And the way that the track had been playing, I knew it would be fair with the likes of Poland being in the race. I knew the pace would be on and, and she'd get carted into the race really well. I backed her and I think you can follow her going to 2,000 metres as long as she gets a, a dry deck because the turn of foot that she showed, that's Hungry Heart. I think she's back now. Um, and I think they might rename this one to the Group 2, Chris, uh, the, sorry, the Group 2, uh, the Chris Waller Phillies stakes because, like I said, I think it was the last six or seven winners have all been his Phillies going back to the likes of Winks and Fun Star for a couple of names have won it. So, yeah, I thought she was massive and I'm going to follow her into her next start. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, she just absolutely loved the, the good truck on the weekend. So, you know, all of her runs this preparation, they've had some merit, but I guess she's been crying out for the, uh, yeah, crying out for that good truck. So she got that on the weekend, got the job done. And yeah, absolutely. Definitely a follow. And I'm going to follow Poland and Irishman out of that race as well. Uh, we'll move on now to the Coolmore Classic. Yep. Which is, I, want uh, give, I want to give myself a wrap. <laughs> yeah, the wrap's coming. <laughs> Three-year-old Phillies and Mares, Group 1, 1,500 metres. Um, Sovereign Awards set a very good pace there. <laughs> I know what you're about to say. How good is she? Crone. I'll let, you, I'll let you start off, mate. Give us a wrap on Crone. Uh, look, it was just... The writing was on the wall. Sovereign Awards set up a massive pace. Uh, Crone from... From her barrier draw, she just slotted in sort of towards the rail. And I think I mentioned it on the preview pod, all that she would need is a, a little bit of luck in the straight to get a gap. That presented itself. And as soon as as soon as it did, Tim Clark booted her home at, well, I've got the SP of around $14 here. I was on to at 22s after we did the preview. Uh, so each way landed that one. But it was just an impressive win. And I, I mentioned it on the preview podcast. She's been absolutely airborne since Magic Millions Day where she knocked off uh, that uh, it often mayor and I forgot the name again. I did that on Thursday, didn't I? So uh, <laughs> I'm going to go and find that again, punters, sorry. But uh, like I said, just been absolute, a theory, just been absolutely airborne. Uh, I think after our last win, people wanted to go, oh, well, that's sort of just a bit of an anomaly. Like they weren't looking at it going forward. But yeah, she's just been absolutely massive. Mizzy was really good to run into second there, I thought, as well. Um, and then Dame Giselle at 18s for third. So there was a bit of value in the in the trifecta. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was a, a really impressive win from from, quite, from Crane. Yeah, it certainly was. And she's now won the Magic Millions Phillies and Mares race over 1300 which was a million dollars. She then went and won the Guy Walter Group 2 over 1400 And then this race, she stepped up. Few kilos in weight to fifty-seven. Coolmore Classic Group One, so you can't be going any better than what she is. And it was an absolute peach of a ride by Timmy Clark. He couldn't have rode that any better. Uh, very tough win. I think the unlucky runner in the race was um, the Gay Waterhouse Adrian Bot Vangeli. She did have fifty kilos in the race, so she's probably in there very well at the weights. But she was held up very badly at the three hundred meter mark and. It took her a while to get out of that. She tried one way and then tried another way. And when she did get out, she, she ran on very well. Was probably never going to win the race, but she was the unlucky runner out in the straight. And Dame Giselle, ever consistent horse, she's just proved that she needs a good track to run her best. Um, and I think I think she's got a big win in her soon. I really do. I think she'll be able to get that big win that they're, they're hoping for. And that was another great ride by uh, Robbie Dolan. But yeah, Mizzy, Mizzy as well, fantastic. That was you got to give Regan Bellis a rap about that ride. A lot of people, Ron Dovesy and all those guys are rapping that ride because it was very, it was impressive to come from Barrier 15 and be in the finish like that. Yeah, hundred percent. One horse that I want to make uh, mention of a little bit of a girlfriend of mine off of her last start win was Shayu. I thought the race just didn't really set up for her at all. She got way too far back to be in the finish there, and maybe. That first, I think that might have been a. Was that her first way? Her first go in in Sydney. Yeah, first I'm go really in Sydney. Sorry, yeah. yeah, first go in Sydney as well. I mean, she was beaten five lengths, so the form guide doesn't read. Obviously, doesn't read great, but that just means we'll get a bit more value for her next start, and she'll 
she'll come back into good form and I think she'll definitely win another another race or two if it's in Sydney and where that is, I'm not sure. But uh, don't go putting a pen through her. I thought um, that she just got way too far back to, to get into it. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree there. When it was a good track, Shayo was the one that I ended up um, putting my money on despite Ice Bath being my value play for the day. Ice Bath needs a heavy track, so... They raced on a good four and I was predicting a heavy heavy track when we did the preview, so I was very wrong there. And I just thought I was, yeah. But, you know, what Ice Bath actually ran quite well. She was probably about three three lengths off. She was there in about fifth. So it was definitely another path mark. She's, Ice Bath's proven to be this um, frustrating one where you're always, oh, yeah, the run was decent, but the wind just doesn't seem to come. So, but, yeah, it was all in all a pretty good race and another win for Tony Gollan. And, yeah, a couple of horses there to follow for sure. Ice Bath, just a bit of a tease for the punters. Does, does enough to, to keep you on the hook for the next start and doesn't perform so badly that you put a bit through. I've got written down here that I'm leaving her alone unless it's a heavy 10 next up because, I'm, yeah, she's been racing well, but it's bit, becoming a bit frustrating. Not a heavy 8, not a heavy 9. Got to be a 10. <laughs> Got a bit of 10 now, full ball yet. <laughs> we'll move on to the uh, race eight, which was the Highland Race Colours Ajax Stakes Group 2 1500 metre race. This is another one of my um, favourite horses that I'm, I'm, I've, I've wrote sacked here. Korea Dearest is out of, the, out, of the, out of the book. It's just, it can't be done. She, he um, jumped slow as for his routine. Um, ridden a little bit more forward there. Wasn't, wasn't dead last around the bend, but you know, then Rachel's got her inside a few horses trying to go up the inside and he didn't didn't like it at all. Didn't really make any ground and wasn't impressed with anything there. So I think the Doncaster talk is probably out of the out of the equation. Some people said to me that he likes a soft track, needs a bit of rain. That's the first time he's missed the placings on a good track. So I don't buy into that excuse at all. I just I honestly just don't think he's he's good enough and he needs to be ridden completely quiet and come down the outside it's the only way you can race so certainly a sack in my book i am superman who uh, won the race i think the ride was what won 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 in the race it's absolute peach by karen mcavoy the two leaders um took off and buffalo river was very tough certainly not riding off his race i'll give him a pass mark but mcavoy being able to sit there in third and just sort of stop him and have a bit more energy and gas in the tank to get over the top late was what got the win for him, I believe. Um, but yeah, yeah, so probably going to follow I am Superman and I'm pretty, I'm also keen to follow our rock out of that race for Barry and Hawks who come flying down the outside first up. So he'll take some, some form out of that. And he's also um, undefeated second up. So definitely following rock out of that one, probably follow Buffalo River and I am Superman as well. Yeah, do you see that race? Yeah, fairly similar to yourself, mate. Obviously, for punters that tuned into the preview on Thursday, just in case there's any confusion, this is the glutton for punishment stakes, and it turned out to be exactly that again. I did um, I did message you on Saturday afternoon, and it was after the Hungry Heart win. I was looking at the, the way the track was playing and that it was fair and, you know, horses are getting their shot from everywhere. We knew the pace would be on with uh, Buffalo River uh, in the field, and I messaged you and said, we're getting sucked into Creediris here, aren't we? And I I did back him. I thought going the inside probably wasn't the best from, from Rachel King, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bag it for the ride. I've never ridden a horse and I'll I'll never jockey bash on here. But you're right, it, it looks like he didn't enjoy it and and maybe the only way he really likes going is getting on the outside of runners and having that clear air. I am Superman has proven to be a bit of a bit of a second up specialist especially at the 1500 meters uh and at rose hill because he's had five starts for two wins there uh i believe it was last prep yeah where he won the uh it was a group two the shannon something or another uh the full name of the race isn't popping up here for me sorry partners but it was karen mcavoy again who took the ride uh won by a bit over a length there so that looks like a bit of a set play from the snowden yard I think Rock was one of the runs of the day, uh, even though he came third. And you can definitely follow him going forward. I'm not, I'm not jumping off Buffalo River, and and that's why we call it the glutton for punishment stakes. So being beaten a length, you know, he had every shot, and and maybe if he 
didn't over race as majorly as he did in the Blamey. Uh, maybe he was. Maybe he would have come to the the Highland on Saturday a bit a bit better, and he could it could have just been a one act affair. Yeah, one hundred percent. Totally agree with you there. Um, yeah, in regards to Rock, he's penciled in as a back next star because Hawk Stable are very good at placing their horses. They know where to go. Um, and his run first up was absolutely superb. So with the second up record of being undefeated, wherever they go, I'm, I'm going to be jumping on there for sure. So that's the big follow out of the race for me, Rock, for sure. Yep, totally agree, mate. Uh, any other notes that you've got from, from Sydney on Saturday, mate? Oh, not really. I mean... Obviously, we'll we'll probably continue talking about all the other races soon, but yeah, not nothing um nothing that sticks to mind apart from going through these other races, mate. Yeah, take us through. Where do you want to get started? <clears throat> we'll start with race one, which was the Cadillac handicap benchmark seventy eight for nineteen hundred. Uh, Welsh legend. She just had a very nice run in transit there, ridden by um James McDonald behind strong takeaway leader Aqua Divina. Around the corner, you could just tell she, she was the one that was travelling best and a couple of horses there that were backed in pretty well, like uh, Great House. But, yeah, Welsh legend. She's always shown that potential. She's got 13 placings from 27 starts, but for only a third win. So it's good for them to get the win there. Horse I want to follow out of the race is um, Toscanini. First up run was fantastic off a long break. Sustained a long run on the weekend to finish third. So he took off quite early there and... Um, definitely keen to follow Toscanini out of that one. Second race was the Magic Knight Stakes, 12-year-old, I mean, sorry, 1,200-metre, not 12-year-old, 1,200-metre, two-year-old Phillies race. Um, this was a going to be a potential lead-up to the slipper, but none of these horses have gone on to make the final field today. So, anyway, it was a good win by Arcaded, um, pretty comfortable, sat behind Robo Deer around the corner and, it was a pretty slow, slow tempo there. So Arcata was able to wind up and, and win well for the Dolphin stable. John Mayer, I believe John Mayer is going to make a real nice three-year-old. I just love the way that she races. Um, Brock Ryan usually rides, but Tommy took her on the weekend and she was ridden very quietly, you know, just sit her at the back and and then and let her um, sprint sprint well down the outside or go go for it late. And it's really exciting because she, she's got an absolutely stunning turn of foot. So I'm definitely keen to follow her going into a three-year-old days. But, um, yeah, what about the start of the Mooney Valley card, mate? Before I go into Mooney Valley, mate, I do want to make mention of that win of Arcaded, and I'm praying that, that rain stays away from, from Rose Hill going into Saturday. I don't think there's any denying that the Blue Diamond form going into this Golden Slipper is the number one form line to look at. Uh, the winners that have come out of out of that race, the likes of Arcaded there and Scorched Earth ran in a Phillies prelude. Scorched Earth won race two at, at Mooney Valley. And that was uh, that's after going to Murray Bridge and winning the, uh, the Magic Millions in South Australia uh, at Murray Bridge there. There's been winners to come out of that Blue Diamond everywhere, that Blue Diamond form line. I think it's the, I think it is the, the main form line to be following going into the, the slipper, provided the rain stays away from Rose Hill. Yeah, absolutely. You spot on. The format of that race has been fan, absolutely fantastic. It's been showing up everywhere, and um, a couple of horses have definitely won out of that race. The bad news that I've got for you is it's been raining uh, quite heavily here today, and <laughs> looking at the forecast for the next few days, I, I'm pretty confident Heavy Ace probably the best I can picture at this stage. I was very wrong last weekend, but I'm looking out the window just now and there's absolute rain bucket and down. So, yeah, well, we're definitely going to be on a wet track on the weekend and that's going to have to come into your calculations for the Golden Slipper, unfortunately. Well, that absolutely breaks my heart because now what I'm going to have to do is get on the phone to uh, Sam and Anthony Friedman, make sure they take the flippers for Artorias so that he can come swimming down the outside of, uh, down the outside of the, the Rose Hill track there. Um, yeah, that's going to play a massive, massive part in it. But uh, we'll stop banging on about that. Uh, sorry, punters. Race one at Mooney Valley was the the Grand Handicap Classic over twenty five hundred meters. Playoffs was the winner there. I'll put it this way: 
after the race, Ted Nugent had to front stewards uh, after being questioned about his ride on Fanciful Top, giving up the lead to uh, it was was a coin collector. I can't remember who took the lead in that race. It wasn't playoffs. Who sat one out, uh, one out and one back. Uh, but I wouldn't be jumping off Fanciful Toff, uh, not, not to take anything away from the leader, but but Fanciful Toff was almost a, a good thing beaten in the first. Scorched Earth was incredible in the second race, and that was the uh, the Kramer Valley Pearl. Uh, that was for the two-year-olds over 1,200 metres. She had the fastest section of the entire race. Uh, the second fastest last 200 metres of the entire meeting. That's not surprising since the track was as rain-affected as it was going into the rest of the day. Uh, but she looked to have a lot on this field. Uh, and the second horse we had in our Monday Black Booker's Fish, Dio, was a, a brother to Sunlight. So I think the Dio will come out and win some races off the back of, off the back of this one. Uh, I think there's a couple of pretty smart ones to come out of there, mate. But uh, we'll go yeah, through the... Yeah, sure, absolutely. There is a couple of... Sorry, mate, you go. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, you're absolutely spot on there, mate, but yeah, carry on. <laughs> uh, go to the next couple in, uh, in at Sydney there, mate. What happened race three? Race three was the Pago Pago Stakes. Colton Gellings race was the uh, another lead up of the slipper. Shaquiro got the win on the weekend for McAvoy and uh, Chris Waller. Just um, honestly, Chris Waller is an absolute freak. The Magic Millions preparation is now shaping up to be exactly what they're doing leading into this slipper this weekend. Up at the Gold Coast, Magic Millions. First up, Shaquiro was seven and a half lengths off, come seventh out of eight. Second up, he's finished in a photo finish to finance Tycoon. And then he's gone seven days later on the seven-day backup and won the Magic Millions 1,200 in good time. This preparation, first up, he was five and a half lengths off the winner. Second up, he won the Pago Pago, which was this race. And he's now going seven-day back up into Saturday. The only negative is it's not going to be a good track on Saturday. So, But other than that, he's probably taking some good form into the weekend. I don't want to underestimate the run of Halal. Um, he had the fastest last 600 and fastest last 200 of both these two-year-old races. Last um, 600 was 33 seconds there, so um, certainly keen to follow him. Probably more into his three-year-old days now that he's missed a start in the um, Golden Slipper. And then, uh, yeah, only two horses out of both of these two races going into next weekend is Shaquiro and Ingratiating. Um, and, yeah, looking forward to Slipper on the weekend. Race four was the Sky High Stakes, which was a 2,000-metre group three. Um, bit of an upset. Colette was the well-fancied horse. Um, a lot of people would have been on, keen on Colette leading up to this based on the forecast, and it was 100% wrong. So I still think Colette's run had a lot of merit. Had a lot of merit. She ran very well on a good track. Um, but, yeah, it's Toby Tome. Looked over uh, her form there. Third up, certainly a go. Most of her good runs have come third up. She's only won over 2,000 metres, so would have been a bit of a targeted race this one on the weekend, and... The race probably panned out quite well for uh, her as well. Um, Tommy Markwin did the job quite well there. Colette certainly needs a wet, definite pass mark. I'm not sure where they go now. Probably Queen Elizabeth, I imagine. Probably hope, hope, for, hope for rain there, and she's probably going to be every chance because she's going quite well. And Mirage Dancer ran on fantastically as well, which looking at it, uh, looking on his form, he loves a good track, so that's what done it for him. But, yeah. He might be a bit of a follow as well. He might head back down to Melbourne. I'm not sure, but yeah, certainly um, a bit of an upset in that race with Toby Tung winning at 12 bucks. Yeah, well, I think the biggest indicator you mentioned earlier that uh, Colette had started a dollar fifty favorite or something like that. She actually drifted from a dollar fifty out to nearly two dollars, and I know that because I got around a dollar ninety for her, and I just thought that that was an absolute bet. But does she just she just needs a a wet deck to, to do anything, does she? Oh, she absolutely needs a wet deck. She just, she just when, when there's rain around, she just absolutely guides past horses like, like they're not there. She, she honestly runs as like it's a good track. She just, her feet just love it. Um, yeah, 
I took a dollar fifty-five on the weekend. That's how confident I was because before there was that much rain coming. And if it was heavy, I've got no idea she would have won. But she she loomed like she was going to win. Like the fitness is there. She's running well. She even ran well on the weekend. But she just needed that little sting out of the ground to to get past those other horses. But yeah, absolutely. I think she's a, any rain around. She's a massive follow. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. I'm going to rattle through the next three races here in Mooney Valley, mate, because. I've thrown races six, seven, and nine in the bin, like I said before, just because of those retrospective track downgrades, which is an absolute joke. Uh, race three was over 2,040 metres, the Extreme Freight Handicap. That one was won by Per San, who went nearly 10 lengths above the benchmark. He had the fastest section of the entire race there. Uh, Camp has confirmed that he's going to head towards an Andrew Ramston and book another ticket for the Melbourne Cup in the spring, he'll win whatever he runs in leading to the Andrew Ramsden and he'll win the Andrew Ramsden. He'll be in the Melbourne Cup again this year. It's as simple as that. Race four was won by Ancestry. This one was over 1,200 metres, the Able Stakes. Making a bit of a declaration that Ancestry is just a bit of a flat track bully. Uh, He did go 11 lengths above standard in the race, but he got absolutely everything his way. uh, And it was just sort of an absolute PR for him. As soon as the gates opened and he was a length in front of them, a length and a half in front of the field and going over to the rails, I knew the race was over. Uh, But coming out of that race, Riddle Me That was actually the fastest horse from the 1,000 metres all the way home. So you can follow Riddle Me That with confidence. Uh, I think that statistic suggests that the track was definitely leader biased. And then in race five, talking about one of the rides of the day, Grand Slam went 9.5 lengths above the benchmark while the other play, the other jockeys were playing Where's Cherry Tortoni. Uh, Grand Slam just ran him into the ground. Uh, I think there's been some suggestion that Young Werther's going up to uh, Sydney. Uh, heading up towards the, I think there's a 2400 metre race uh, up there for Young Werther, uh, which he looks will be straight up his alley and handles the rain-affected deck. So you can follow Young Werther going forward. And that's all I've really got for Mooney Valley, mate. Uh, what was the last few in Rose Hill there? Race five was the Maurice McCartan Stakes over 1,100, Group 3. Um, California Zimble was well-backed and superb ride by Karen McElwood to get the job done. Same thing, sat behind the, the pace and... Pretty patient. Uh, she's building such a good record now. Six wins, four places from 13 starts. She's got a great record on good, great record on soft. So building one of them records that you're really um, really keen to keep following and make sure you're a part owner in, to be honest with you, because a lot of horses can't handle every every track and she seems to be able to. I backed Wonderbar in that race um, and she had the fastest last 200 metres. She's pretty good first up. Same thing. She needs needs a lot of rain or needs rain. She goes better in the wet. Certainly following going forward, though, because there's a massive high likelihood that there's going to be rain in Sydney for the next couple of weeks. So keen to follow Wonderbar for her next start. Celebrations handicap, benchmark 88. Uh, over 13.50 was the last race. Um, and that's the one that I gave a massive up to Yayo Dash. Just a um, superb run. He usually prefers a wet track and had 60 kgs on his back. So just fantastic to tough it out the way that he did. And then the horse that I want to follow out of that race is Nudge from the Chris Wallace stable. She was just very strong late. Um, she was ridden by Jamo. And yeah, she was one of the strongest horses late with a pretty fast last 600 and last 400. Got pretty far back, but um, same thing. She's was a great first start run and I'm keen to follow her going forward. But yeah, that's about it for Rose Hill, mate. Yeah, easy done. Yeah, look, a bit of an apology to the partners. Like I said, I don't have a great deal from Mooney Valley. Um, just the way that those three of those last four races were were run and and the, the weather that impacted the track. Um, I'm just putting a pen through six, seven, and and nine respectively there. But looking forward, mate, uh, Thursday we'll be reviewing. Uh, we'll be recording a pod for the Golden Slipper weekend. And if this isn't chalk and cheese, I don't know what is because you'll have the Golden Slipper on Saturday at Rose Hill and I've got the Mornington Cup at Mornington in Victoria. So 
if that's yeah. not chalk and cheese, I don't know what is, mate. Yeah, had a bit of a look over the uh, nominations for the two cards um, yesterday, and it's looking like um, Sydney's got an absolute blockbuster of a card there. Plenty of group ones, plenty of great races, and there wasn't much, too much to like out of that Mornington card, but the main thing is that you, you find a few winners for followers on the weekend, and uh, we can all clean up and, and go well. Mate, if you don't think I'm going to be back here on Thursday declaring some winners at Mornington, you are sadly mistaken because the the goal in the entire autumn for Defibrillate was the Mornington Cup. And if he's got any less than 59.5 kilos on his back on Saturday, that's a bet. I don't care what barrier he's got. He can give them a 300-metre head start. He'll beat them. That sounds good to me. I do love Paddy Payne's uh, Defibrillate. So looking forward to that. I saw a statistic this morning, actually, that over the last two Sydney weekends, or not Sydney, sorry, Metropolitan Cards, Sydney and Melbourne, 36 runners, only eight favourites have won. So what that means is I'm going to come on here on Thursday night and find some absolute value for the followers. And we're going to continue that trend into the weekend because uh, it's time to win some money back after a bit of a negative couple of weeks. That's it. Been a bit of a strip out, but we'll find nine crones that are going to win Rose Hill on, on Sunday and the only place you're going to hear it is Bet With Brilliance uh, like we said it'll be Golden Slipper preview for Rose Hill and I've got the Mornington Cup uh, day at Mornington uh, in Victoria. Fish has always been an absolute pleasure talking with you about the weekend that has been. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me again mate Yeah, always a pleasure, always looking forward to it. And as I always say, punters, if you've got any feedback, send it through to us. We want to know about it. But, Fish, I've said it before. I'll say it again. We don't hear anything. We're perfect, mate. So don't lose any sleep. I know you're really worried about that. Uh, they don't want feedback. They don't want to give feedback, mate. They just want winners, and they want winners from us. So that's what we're going to have to give them this week. 100%, mates. Uh, recording on Thursday, video. Uh, the video will be up on Facebook, and the podcast will be up on uh, Spotify on Friday. Fish, bit of, bit of a heads up now, mate. It might be a late one that we're recording on Thursday night, sorry, but uh, we'll get that sorted in the coming days. Uh, thank you again for joining us, punters. Uh, have an absolute fill-up. We've got, well, we've got midweeks tomorrow. Uh, yeah, tomorrow we've got the midweeks, mate. Uh, Fish, so get on to Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Brilliance Racing will have the previews up there to build a bit of a bank for all the crones of the weekend that are going to go around on, on Saturday. Sounds good, mate. Looking forward to a round with Kensington tomorrow for me. So, And uh, last Wednesday, I'll pick six winners. So I'm going for eight tomorrow. Yeah, enough <laughs> stuffing around, mate. If you could actually pull your finger out, that'd be brilliant. <laughs> I'm ready to go, mate. Ready to go. Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us, punters. Uh, this week's review part of the All-Star Mile. Make sure to tune in for the big golden slipper uh, preview on Friday. Bet up, have a fill up, go to Brilliance Racing. You guys know what to do. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Fish. Thanks, mate.